what I'm really interested in is how do I help my partner feel more vulnerable than they've ever felt, more seen than they've ever felt? How do I help my partner let go as much as they've ever let go? Like those are the ways that I'm using the power differential to benefit my clients and my partners is because I want them to actually feel themselves. Like what does it feel like, Bryn, when you actually get what you want? I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Chick, a Soulfire production. All right. Hello, That Sex Chick listeners. Today, you have me, Brinsky. By now, you probably know my voice. And I'm so, so excited to be interviewing one of my dear friends, mentors, Kimmy Inch, aka Mistress Nina Payne. Hello, Kimmy. Hello, Bunny B. That's <laughs> I how I it. know you. I know you as, wait, or is it B Bunny? It was something. Honestly, I kind of like Bunny B, but it was B. Yeah. <laughs> That's how but. I know you. I know, I know some secrets about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I imagine some of those will come out today in today's episode. And uh, Kimmy is a incredible, incredible somatic therapist, kink and BDSM expert, consultant, and educator who I've had the absolute most pleasure of working with now several times. And she's also a really hilarious sex positive comedian. So if you're not following her on Instagram and seeing her reels, you absolutely should. I'm going to shit on you. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're going to be diving into my first conscious kink journey that Kimmy so beautifully led me through how kink can be healing and what it looks like to explore your kinks in a safe, sane, and consensual environment. Plus, Kimmy's actually going to take me through my debrief live on the show. So I'm so excited to dive in today with you. Thank you. I am too. Thank you for having me and sharing me with your audience and also being vulnerable and, and maybe mm. showing a piece of the process for the, the world, you know, mm. um, I really honor your courage. Thank you. I, that means a lot. And I think we have already created and will continue to create a lot of magic together. So I agree. yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. So let's, let's start off with just giving our listeners a bit of a uh, background because, um, We actually have had Kimmy on the show. So if you haven't already heard our first episode together, we had Kimmy, we'll link the episode in the show notes, but we had Kimmy on to debrief our first play party as a company. And that was so fun. But for those of our listeners who haven't listened to the show, I'd love for you to just share how you came into blending therapy and kink in such a beautiful way. Uh, well, I have to say that podcast that we did together was one of my favorites of all time, honestly. Ooh, same. And so much fun with you guys and reflecting on the amazing weekend we had together. Um, you know, my career as a dominatrix started 20 years ago and I was working just as a professional dom for about five years. Um, and I had a really sort of surface sort of outlook on kink and BDSM. You know, I didn't really understand the potential that it has today. Um, for me being a dominatrix, I, I sort of bought into the stereotype that it's just this woman who gets paid all this money to beat up people and to be a bitch and to be treated like a queen and all of this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, as I was just doing my own personal healing work, um, 
and going to therapy, um, you know, doing medicine journeys. I mean, all of those things, I really started to see kink as more than this transactional uh, job that I was uh, originally bought into. Like I really started to see it as this sacred space for people to be able to express themselves authentically and really, really vulnerably. I mean, we're talking about our darkest, deepest, secretest desires, like being played out in real time. Um, and these are fantasies and secrets and things that most of my clients would never dare tell anyone, not their family, not their spouse, not their therapist, you know, nobody. Mm. Um, but they could have an hour or two with me where they could fully embody those things and really be in that energy. I started to feel like, wow, there's so much more here than what I've been bringing to the table. So I wanted to go back to school. I started studying somatic therapy at a school called Cornergetics. And it was a five-year, well, it was a four-year program. And I ended up doing a, a post-grad uh, year as well. And what I had learned is just that the healing process looks different for everyone. And I'm not here to discredit traditional therapy, but what I was noticing was that when we are in a traditional talk therapy sort of environment, there's only so much that's being incorporated in the moment, you know, like it's a lot of cerebral heady sort of back and forth talk. And what I enjoyed about somatic therapy is that it's a full bodied energy emotion, you know, psychology sort of experience. Like it's all of the things, like it's all of these elements. Mm -hmm. And when I was going to school for that, I wasn't really sure um, how that was going to fit in to the kink work that I loved so much. I even contemplated maybe saying, okay, maybe this is the end of my Dom career. And now it's time to become a therapist and leave all of the kink stuff behind me. And, um, you know, as I continued to go to school, I was like, oh, I actually see the elements that can be brought together with what I'm doing in kink and what I'm doing in somatic healing as well. So that's really the catapult of all of this was creating a space where people can use kink as a therapeutic modality to help them release shame, help them release any energetic blocks that are happening in their body, help them reclaim themselves again, help them look at maybe some past traumas and, and empower them in those scenarios. Um, and, and bringing it all together just actually felt like a really like clear and simple uh, route to my evolution as a healer in general. So I feel really blessed that I'm able to sort of bring all of these gifts together and help people go deeper into what they desire. It's so special and it's so, um, it's so divine, you know, when we look back and see the way that everything leads to exactly mm. where we are now. Right. Right. And Lex yeah. always talks about how for her, when she started doing personal development, she realized it didn't trickle into sexual development, mm. but sexual development trickled into development everywhere else. Right. And from what you do and from my you know, integration as well. I can feel that of when I heal and grow in sex, it trickles into all parts of my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, you may not be able to answer this. And if that's the case, that's okay, because mm -hmm. we'll certainly touch on my experience, Please. but I'm curious if there was a moment when you were starting to blend the two worlds and you, maybe it was a particular client or a particular scene where you thought, oh, wow, this is really working. Like, do you have a moment that comes to mind? Yeah. You know, 
it's interesting because as the one who is in the leadership position for the dominatrix work I was doing, you know, I was looking to drop into deeper places with my clients that were just seeking out kink sessions. And what I mean by that is like actually giving them permission and letting them know upfront that this doesn't have to look a certain way. And if anything arises in you, thoughts, feelings, emotions, you know, I just want you to know that I'm here to hold space for you and be with whatever shows up. So when I started like making that clear, like my intention for why I'm in service to my clients, they started to like really shift in their perception of what kink was. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, we we can do that actually. Like there's room for me. There's room for me to just be all of who I am. Um, And I started to feel like people were really starting to drop deeper. And I, and I realized that people can only go deep as deep as I'm willing to go. Like how deep am I willing to go in my own processes um, and in the the shadows of my own, like, you know, psyche, how deep am I willing to go? How far am I willing to go? Because wherever that ending is, is where my clients are going to hit up against. Mm. So I was working with one of my earliest clients. She um, was a, a woman who was in a long-term relationship. She was, she was, in a committed relationship with another woman over six or seven years. And she had never revealed to her partner that she had this fantasy, that she's had this fantasy her whole life. And she is holding a lot of shame and and pain around this. And when she was finally available to share what the fantasy was, I couldn't believe that this was something that she held so much shame around. The fantasy was that she had a desire to be led by a dominant woman who would take her and sit her in a chair and cut off her hair and that she would have to surrender to this dominant, beautiful woman cutting her hair, hair off. There was no nudity. There was no sexual exchange. It was just like this act of being led and to surrender completely and to shed all that didn't serve her. Um, and this is a fantasy that she, you know, hid away from her partner, had a lot of pain around, didn't know what to do with it. So we worked in a therapeutic structure for several sessions to just talk about it, help her feel her body as she described what she was fantasizing about and what was like really lighting her up, noticing where she would contract in the actual uh, thinking about playing it out in person. And then when we were finally ready to dip that pinky toe into the shallow end of the pool, we set up the space to, you know, basically accommodate this fantasy she's had for like 20 years. And we were able to, you know, go into it together. I'm not a hairstylist by any means. So she actually just had me sort of mimic that I was cutting hair. I wasn't actually cutting her hair. Um, And yeah, what came from that was just like an explosion, like an explosion from within of like freedom, like of just complete liberation. And her whole body, you know, was kind of like, uh, moving like this while I was cutting her hair. And she's like, not crying for pain, but just like the tears were just coming out of her mm-hmm. eyeballs. Like mm-hmm. it was just release, release the breath, the shakes, all of these sort of things. And afterwards, you know, I picked her up and held her in my arms for a really long time um, and told her how beautiful she was and how special she was. Um, and she just, we just stayed like that for probably a good hour. And that was the entire Mm. experience. And from that point, she was able to talk to her partner about Mm. her fantasies and to start giving herself more compassion and grace around these desires and look at why was there shame there and what, what was it linked to? And 
it was really powerful. And that's just one example of many that I've been able to experience in this like space. So wow. yeah, it feels really good. Mm. Mm-hmm. That I have full body goosebumps. Um, yeah. While I obviously I can't relate to that experience, I can certainly relate to yeah. what it feels like to show up a hundred percent as myself, be fully seen in it and loved and worshiped. And then the freedom, like you said, the freedom of being able to be fully yourself. And I think that's the thing that you keep touching on that is so important is kink when done in a safe, consensual way gives you access to fully be yourself and to be fully received in that. And there, in my opinion, is nothing more freeing or loving than being fully yourself and having somebody hold you in that. So, yeah, so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I have to say, I really, and we'll go into it later, but I really like, um, cherish the work I do with my clients. I really cherish the work that I was able to do with you. Um, because it's just such a beautiful example of what the human experience is. And so often we actually don't give ourselves permission to be human. Like we actually are like, no, how dare you? (laughs) Like, how dare you? Like, feel this longing and this pain and this need for attention. And like, how dare you? Like, you know, and I don't, those voices aren't actually ours. Mm -hmm. Those voices are made up of a council in our head that wasn't ever really ours. It was given to us, right. From some of these people that aren't even alive anymore, but, uh, from other people. And I say, like, if you have counsel in your head, that's not an alignment for what you want in your life. You need to fucking fire those council members. They need to get fucking fired and we need to bring in new counsel. I so, love um, that. Yeah. So the this is the Dom and me coming out. Like, we're going to fucking <laughs> down. Like, let's talk a business. We need to fire some motherfuckers and get, and get back to work. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, like it's time yeah. to look at these things. So I bring in the playfulness uh, with you right now in this moment, but the doming um, part of it is like bringing in the authority, because if I help my partner and my client know that I'm going to be holding this responsibility now, you can actually let it go. So let go of the shame. I'll hold it for now. And you can just blame everything on me. I'm telling you what to do. And, you know, it's all consensual, of course. Right. And it was pre-negotiated, but there's just a permission of being like, oh, okay, I'm going to follow this lead and see where it takes me. And Mm. hopefully eventually it takes them to a place of self-empowerment so they can hold it themselves. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's a reclamation. You're letting go of everything that's not you. And I was laughing because Mm. when I talk about like the different voices or the council members, um, I'm thinking about the way I've described it to my clients. I'm like, yeah, there's these different parts of you and you want to have them have a seat at the dinner table and talk to them. And you're like, fire those bitches. (laughs) And I'm like, oh wait, that's so much better. (laughs) Step into my office. (laughs) You're fired. (laughs) So good. I have a confession. I ran out of everyday dose. And before I could get my refill in, I went back to coffee for about a week. (sighs) One day around noon, I sat having a conversation with Jordan and I felt a wave of anxiety wash over me. The conversation wasn't particularly challenging. I think we were just chatting about some things happening in the business. And I remember placing my my hand over my heart and taking a few deep breaths and a little light bulb going off. Whoa, could this be because of the coffee? 
I looked up at Jordan and I said, I need your support in kicking the coffee for good, good. It's not serving me. And even if it's not the cause or the source of my anxious feelings, it's not helping anything. And it's quite possibly even exacerbating it all. So we agreed. No more coffee for Lex, no matter what. It's hard, y'all, to even say that out loud. I have loved, capital L-O-V-E-D, my morning coffee for years. And to say goodbye is so sad. Good news, though. My everyday dose arrived literally the next day, and I was reminded why I love it so much and why it's seriously the perfect replacement. I still get to have my morning cup of something warm and delicious. Only now it's a third of the caffeine as compared to a regular cup of coffee, plus mushrooms and adaptogens to help create sustainable energy in my system. I'm much more pleasant in my relationship and my day-to-day life when I choose to do what's best for my nervous system, my digestion, and my physical and mental health. Everyday dose is definitely in the category of what's best. Now, not everyone is like me, but some of you listening are. So for those of you who could stand to kick the coffee habit with me, you can try Everyday Dose by going to everydaydose.com. Remember to use the code THATSEXCHICK for 20% off at checkout. And because I know you're going to ask, here's my personal recipe. One tablespoon of dose, two ounces of hot water, blend, add five drops of liquid stevia, the vanilla is my favorite, and then on top, eight ounces of frothed three seed almond milk. Now, my extra bonus is a sprinkle of a little stevia powder across the top of the foam. It's my fave. Enjoy my loves. Everydaydose.com. Let's transition into what is conscious kink and what is a conscious kink journey? Because that's what we did together. And I'd love to take our listeners for a ride, including the ride that I went on. I would love to share my journey through the lens of our work together. So let's just start off with the basics. What is a conscious kink journey? Sure. So when we're talking about conscious kink specifically, it's looking at um, engaging in our fantasies and our desires um, with consciousness, with mindfulness, um, being grounded and fully embodied. So Mm -hmm. kink so often is portrayed as this scenario where one person gives up their power to another and they engage in acts of um, intensity that could be spanking and bondage and uh, role play scenarios, dirty talk. We can take these elements, but what we're looking at more so is like, what is the part that people are turned on by that they also want to distance themselves from? Like they feel like it's taboo. They feel like it's naughty. They feel like it's wrong on some level or they're shy about it because there might be judgment or rejection. You know, that's kind of what Jaya Ma says about kink and people that are kinky is that people are turned on by the taboo. And it's funny because someone was asking me recently, like, you know, uh, what does taboo mean to you? Like, like if taboo was a color or this or that, and I'm like, you know, I don't really think of taboo that way because taboo has really been put upon us by our society and by our culture and by again, probably a bunch of people that are, are dead by now. Um, and so we've created what taboo is and everybody creates their own idea of what taboo is, you know? Um, and we go into these uncomfortable places with purpose and an intention to either gain more self-knowledge, to 
have more pleasure, to create more freedom, um, to maybe look at shadows. Um, there's a lot of different reasons why people might be interested in engaging in conscious kink, but there's purpose to it more so than just having an exchange. There's purpose for it to uh, be meaningful and to lead to somewhere else. Hmm. So the conscious kink journey is just basically setting up a container of time for people to have that exploration in. And I do a, a sort of a combination of bringing in my somatic healing and therapy work into the conscious kink journey as a sense of, I meet with the client, we do an intake process. I, um, I, need a minimum of at least one intake process, but for some, we meet several times before we even engage in a journey. So we, we get a lot of foundational information. I want to get a sense of someone's sexual history and not only that, but maybe some traumas. And also it doesn't even have to be as major as traumas. It could just be, what are the impressions that you had around sex love, intimacy, relationships. And I want to get an understanding of how you were learning about these topics as you were developing, because a lot of the time we're basing our fantasies and our desires around this childlike um, impression that was made upon us. And we have some, somehow eroticized it as adults. Mm. So we're sort of picking away these layers. People, um, are sharing like where they're at with their love life and, and what they're seeking and, and where they're feeling fulfillment and maybe feeling unfulfilled, what they want more of in their lives. Um, you know, what are some of the blocks that they're aware of? Like it's a real deep dive into, you know, what the person's present experience is and what they've sort of how they've gotten there from their past. Mm -hmm. And then we take all of that information. We talk about their hell yeses in exploration. Like, what are you a hell yes to right now? Like spanking bondage. Like we talk about the specifics. Um, and what I do is I curate an experience that keeps all of this in mind. It keeps the sexual history piece in mind. It, it takes, uh, what the client's goals are, uh, what their boundaries are, what their desires are. We put it all together for the journey, which, um, is, similar to any other journey, like uh, ayahuasca or MDMA, like these medicine journeys are so incredible and fruitful, but with a kink journey, um, there is no outside substance that's going to be taken. There is no plant. There is no, um, chemical that will be introduced to the body. It all comes from within the body's natural responses to kink and to these explorations and what is sort of expanded from that place. And once expanded, you have more access to source. You have more access to mother earth and her wisdom. Like you have more access. Um, and hopefully that shift of consciousness will also help you maybe change perspectives and help give you creativity of how to navigate your life in a way that's going to create more of what you want. Mm. Yeah. I'm yeah. just reliving my experience oh, as we were talking about it, it and uh -huh. thinking of all the incredible parts and, yeah. you know, something that came to me, this actually happened before we did our journey together, but I wanted to touch on it because I think it's such a great example of how we can eroticize our wounds when it's done in a consensual and safe way was, um, when I was growing up and this is actually something you did help me work through, but just in a different way. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, I learned about sex um, from my mother who was really open. And we talked about this in our intake process. And mm -hmm. so I was really lucky that I didn't have a lot of that societal or religious shame around sex. I was raised that sex was 
beautiful and done with people who love each other, but the world wasn't ready for that. They weren't ready for 15 year old Bryn who was open and sexual and wanted to play. And several times, non-consensually, I was videotaped in sexual experiences in high school. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later in actually doing work with you, doing work in containers where I could start to understand my desires. I started to see why I actually really enjoy now being in a, um, exhibitionist role where I am consensually being watched by someone because there was this part of me that wanted to reclaim being seen, but Mm -hmm. by somebody who I'm saying, yes, you can see me. And it was such an interesting loop. I was walking one day and it all just kind of came through. Like, this is why you like that. And I'm like, holy shit. Had I not been introduced to kink and you and the way that it works when it's done beautifully and safely, I would have never made that connection. And I thought that was so powerful. Well, I mean, I feel like it'd be remiss to not mention that, you know, part of the experience of your journey was actually videotaped, um, not for us, but for a show that um, was shot by MGM studios and it's going to be released in the summer. So that's all Mm -hmm. I'll say about that. But um, wow, you know, to have such a sensitive experience and also not only being witnessed by me in that, but, um, also by the cameramen, um, and women as well. Um, that is, that is big. That's really big. Yeah. It, it didn't even occur to me until this moment that yes, there wasn't a, a layer two of that exhibitionism and, um, how, when we worked together, I didn't even notice them because we were so present in connection. Um, but there was a huge healing component in that. Um, so let's go back to, you said the, the beginning, the intake process. And I'd love to use myself as an example of, yeah, we went into, so this was a Sunday night. We're filming, uh, and going through this journey on a Wednesday. So I come over to your home And let's talk about the process that you took me through because that set the foundation for everything. And you mentioned a little bit of like sexual history and and desires. And I'm super open to anything I shared with you, we can name in the podcast because I think it's really important for people to understand this, like at the tangible level. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about that process and what that looked like. Absolutely. So yeah, you were here, right? Yeah. In my my play space. And um yeah. And how we started off, you know, I know we did some connection and and, bre- mm. and breath and all of that to sort of center you and presence you in the, the moment. But when we started moving into it, you know, I, I have, um, I have a desire to like, really like seeing where the energy is going to take us in the moment. And I wanted to collect data from you for sure. So I had, uh, the, information and and knew how to sort of use that for our session. But I also was really curious in seeing how you felt energetically and allowing space for emotions and just having a free flow. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, as we're talking about stuff around your sexual history and around your development years around sex, love, and intimacy, I know that there was, I felt like a lot, like there was a lot of aliveness in your body for sure. Like you have a lot of aliveness and I know that you also had experienced some release in the eyes, um, and, and some pain around, like when we really started talking about what's happening presently and what is your longing and like, what are you, is your desire? Mm -hmm. And yeah. And so when we started tapping into 
if you don't mind, like, no, um, please. yeah, tapping into what your longing is, um, and talking about wanting the attention, wanting connection, wanting intimacy, wanting to be held, wanting to be, um, taken care of wanting to let go, wanting to surrender, you know, these are qualities that are very common that people are longing to experience that either society keeps us from having these experiences, or we also contribute to us keeping us from having these experiences as well. A huge part of my life with Jordan is our dogs. Some of y'all may know we have a blue nose pit bull named Biggie James Smalls and a French bulldog named Little. They are quite the duo. Biggie, as Jordan likes to say, is his firstborn baby boy. And a couple of years ago, out of nowhere, I just had to have a pup of my own. The stars aligned and my baby girl Little was brought into my world. And for the record, we did not name them Big and Little on purpose. Biggie is 11 and Jordan is a huge Big Papa fan. Little is two and I tried to name her many other things, but Little she liked and Little she listened to, so Little she became. They are the source of so much joy for us. We connect with each other by taking walks around our neighborhood with the dogs. They are our favorite snuggle bugs when we are curled up on the couch with a movie. We love visiting Zilker Park in the heart of Austin and letting them run around with all the other dogs. Little often joins me in my office while I'm on calls. I often refer to her as the Sex and Love Co. mascot, unofficial mascot. And Jordan loves taking Biggie to swim a few times per week. We are absolutely convinced that he was a sea mammal in a past life. (laughs) As Biggie has gotten older, we've noticed that after big trips to the park or long swim sessions, he's a bit slower to move around later that day and the next day. His joints get a little stiff and sometimes are even painful. Our vet recommended we try adding pup-friendly CBD oil into his diet. I had no idea that dogs have an endocannabinoid system just like humans do. So we've recently upgraded the treat jar over here to the CBD dog treats from Cured Nutrition. We also started adding a few drops of Cured Nutrition CBD oil to Big's food every so often to help with the discomfort in his hips and his shoulder joints due to arthritis. Uh, Little isn't left out of this either, though. She's a small dog with anxious tendencies, kind of like mother, like daughter here. So she gets a few drops when I know we'll be traveling or having an event at our house. Both of them get a little CBD when the holidays are upon us and fireworks might be going off around our neighborhood or when the weather says a thunderstorm is coming. So it's it's really quite sad to see Big saunter around the house. He's this big jacked pit bull, but his tail goes right between his legs and he can't get close enough to Jordan or I. We treat our pups like our children. We love them dearly and it's important to us to make sure that they have a great quality of life. To give Cured Nutrition a try, whether it's their pet products or their human ones, head to the link in my show notes. Not all CBD is made equal, y'all, and Cured Nutrition is literally as good as it gets when it comes to ingredients and, of course, high-quality, full, and broad-spectrum CBD. We are incredibly considerate when it comes to choosing what goes in our bodies as well as our pups. It's our plan for every member of our family to live a long, healthy, happy, and pleasurable life. 
Check the show notes for more info and make sure to use the code that sex chick, all one word, for 10% off your order of items not already a part of discounted bundles. I remember going through the intake, like the more heady part where you were like, are you open to spanking? Are you open to hair pulling? Mm -hmm. And like that part was great because it helped me to really own my voice of like, yes, I want you to pull my hair. Yes. I want you to spank me. Yes. I want you to call me a good little slut. Right. We went through these like definitives. And what I thought was also really powerful was if I even slightly hesitated, you took that as a no. No. Right. That's so true. You know, um, and what you're referring to is the King checklist that it's available on my website. And it's, um, it's a list of possibilities that could be explored and um, it's not a complete list because that would be a novel. Really, uh, There's so many possibilities, but also on the list is like, you know, we're really focusing on truly your hell yeses at this stage. Like we don't actually, for our first journey together, um, because I like to work with clients as an ongoing process whenever possible, but especially for your first journey, like let's really focus on the definite hell yeses. And we could always maybe consider the things that are maybes or there's hesitation around in the future. So when I was asking you and we were going through the list of impact play options and bondage options and sensory play options, you know, if I saw a moment of like, you know, I was like, okay, that doesn't feel like that's going to be a great place to go. Cause yeah. if anything, I want you to stay in it um, mm-hmm. as much as possible because it's already really vulnerable work. Um, and it's already, yeah, it's already going to be, um, a lot just going in for the first time. So Mm -hmm. yeah, going through the list and finding those hell yeses, the super important part. And I'm glad that you were really clear and honest about that. And also you were bringing up, you know, maybe, um, past experiences with the, the possibilities I was bringing up with the spanking and the bondage and whatnot and how it was making you feel and, and all of Mm -hmm. that. So yeah, yeah, that was really important. It was. And I I believe it was you that taught me too. Like we don't change our mind during scenes. That's why it's really important that our no's are fully honored and Mm -hmm. there's no wavering. It's, this is a no, it'll be a no all the way through this scene. And then we can always reevaluate another time. Like maybe I am interested in that, but it's a no for now. And I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, It's so true. Cause we get excited, you know, like sure. maybe, you know, before we begin, people are like, oh, like, I don't know about this. And once they feel really comfortable with me, they're like, actually, it's okay now. Like, I'm good. And I'm like, no, you know, like you're, you have started to open, you started to shift your consciousness a bit. Like it would be, um, yeah, unethical really to introduce these things that you said a no to, um, during a time of sobriety and neutrality. And if you're, if you're changing it now, I would fear, uh, you know, a vulnerability hangover. And those are big, you know, those can be really, really big. Like, Oh my God, why did I do that? And, you know, I don't want, uh, people also splitting off energetically. Like I want them to be as embodied and as full, um, in themselves and grounded in themselves as possible through the journey. So they are able to, uh, take the information and grow and learn from it. Mm -hmm. You know, so often people, become dissociative or they just sort of get swept away and leave parts of them behind. Like they're, they're like maybe little boy or little girl parts, or they're, they're, you know, other parts that maybe feel more vulnerable because they don't feel like they can have all of it at the same mm-hmm. time. And we really go slow because I don't want to overwhelm the system 
And I want to go slow to make sure that you're able to track what's happening so you can actually benefit from it. I'm not playing with my clients to, because I, you know, I I enjoy what I do. So don't get me wrong. I love what I do, but it's not for me and it's not about me. It's about them. And that's Mm -hmm. the part of the dynamic that's different than a regular, maybe kink session between two lovers or just two, uh, play partners is that this is truly not about me at all. It is really all for my play partner, every Mm -hmm. single thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't experience that much, um, attention and focus. Like, you know, I was with you and I told you, like, I will have tunnel vision. Like there is nothing else in the world that I am aware of, except for you or my clients that I'm with in that Mm -hmm. moment. And a lot of people don't have that experience. I felt that I felt that so tremendously. And in fact, that alone was one of the most healing parts of my journey was for the first time, maybe ever, I felt the total presence of a partner for an entire hour. And our scene was technically shorter because of filming. I know these journeys are typically as long as two hours. Um, yeah. So, you know, I can't even imagine what that would be like when it's two, three fold, but, um, what I do think is really powerful was the way you helped me to set intentions and to do it from a place where it was from my body. Because I remember when we first started, you were asking me things like we did the intake. I gave you my full yeses. I gave you my full nose. And then you had me, you know, name some intentions. And just so the audience knows, like I went into this, first of all, I wanted to explore my own erotic energy. I'm recently, I think I can still use that recently divorced, you know, when you're with somebody for 10 years and there wasn't much exploration, it was like, I want to know more about my sexuality. So I wanted to explore my erotic energy. I wanted to explore my energetic side, my, um, specifically like my blueprint around energetics, because I know, and I'd witnessed you in another journey during our play party of getting to use that. And I, I'm so intrigued by energy in sex and in life, really. Um, So those were some of my more like, I know this thing in my mind. Like I want to explore my erotic energy. I want to explore some of my kinks. I want to explore this energetic side. But then you asked me, it was almost like you felt intuitively there was more there. Like, let's go deeper into your body. And I remember you had me close my eyes and you just had me like very simply ask, and what does your body want? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious if you remember, like without hesitation, what I said, and if not, I can share. Cause I remember <laughs> Tell me, I want to make sure I get it right. Yeah. yeah. So. I instantly said attention. It was like, without faltering. And it was, I think that's how you almost know that it's from your body because there was no story. There was no hesitation. It was just like bloop attention. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being, I think, such a central theme of the journey was like what it was to fully receive attention. And for me, it's interesting. We could say, of course, like the kink and the spanking and the hair pulling and you know, me being in lingerie is the taboo part. But I also think in today's society, it's also equally as taboo for a woman to say like, I want to surrender. I don't want to work. I just want to be taken care of. I want Mm -hmm. to be fully worshiped. I don't want to be a girl boss. I just want to be like loved on and adored as me. And it was this Mm -hmm. reclamation and this part of me that wanted to say like, I just want to fucking be a 
get attention. I want all of your attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how yeah. healing that was. You're right. That is so taboo. And um, what comes up for me is that when I'm working as the dom and as the one in leadership, and my partner is usually assuming the sub or bottom or follower position, you know, I'm not so interested about doing a bunch of shit to my clients. So I'm not like actually going through the kink checklist to be like, cool, I'm going to spank her and then I'm going to tie her up and then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do that. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait. You know, like I'm not doing that. I just want to make sure I have a clear understanding of the parameters and what could be possible. But what I'm really interested in is how do I help my partner feel more vulnerable than they've ever felt um, and more seen than they've ever felt? How do I help my, my partner let go as much as they've ever let go? Like those are the ways that um, I'm using the power differential to benefit my cl- uh, my clients and my partners is because mm-hmm. I want them to actually feel themselves. Like, what does it feel like, Bryn, when you actually get what you want? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I have goosebumps. Not just a little bit, not just the touch of it. And then like, oh, and I'm going to take it away. You know, like um, I'm actually going to keep bringing it back over and over. I'm going to express mm-hmm. how I'm giving you my full attention by, um, you know, words of affirmation, by acts of service, by touch. I mean, by every love language I can come up with and continue to remind you of this Mm. over and over and over. So like whatever layer it's hitting up against, it's going to penetrate a little bit deeper and Mm. a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. Um, because really in the beginning, a lot of people, it's almost like an overload. They're like, I totally said I wanted this, but some people got shy. Did you feel shy and uh, started to feel like, oh, I don't know anymore if this is what I want. Yes. You're like nailing it for me because uh, yeah, the, the attention piece, you know, if we're thinking about it from the lens of healing and childhood and inner child work, that's a deeply rooted wound for me. Like I never felt like I got full attention growing up. And so the fact that my body was ready to heal this sexually as a 32 year old woman, it was powerful. Cause I didn't even realize that that was still such a deep need for me. Um, because growing up, my brother was, uh, going through some sicknesses and things that took a lot of my parents' resources. Mm-hmm. And so I learned to sort of stay in the background and just be a really good girl. And so for me getting attention, I felt like I had to really work for it. Like I had to be really beautiful or really smart or really sick, unfortunately, to get their attention. And so it was so healing just like from the get-go, just saying it out loud. But then you hit the nail on the head of that. Okay. So I say, I want attention. Our scene begins. So I'll just fast forward to it's the day of the scene. Um, and we start in the same room that we actually began our intake process. And I remember, I'll never forget. I've actually reshared this moment with several girlfriends. And mm-hmm. every time I tell someone, everyone gets the shivers because it was such a powerful moment where we were sitting across from one another. And I think you were just speaking to me like peer to peer and you were sharing like what's to come. And there was a clear moment where you said, I'm going to shift from a place of neutrality to being in charge. And I'm going to penetrate you with my energy. And I, I get goosebumps even saying it because I felt such a shift immediately, especially being someone who's already sensitive to energy. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, you're giving me the thing that I want from like the get-go. I'm getting all of your attention. You're putting all your focus on me and everything in my body started to feel intensified almost to the point of overwhelm where I was like, 
I remember feeling almost like a little girl where I got a little giddy and giggly because it was, it was confronting to feel your full attention on me. I'm in lingerie. Like I'm, I'm vulnerable in this position. And so all of a sudden my mind started this whirl of like, oh my God, I'm getting the thing that I want. Can I even hold it? And it was so powerful. So, so powerful. Uh, I love that you're speaking to that. Cause you know, it, it's interesting the the desire and need and want for the attention. And then sometimes the shame and guilt of even having that need and want mm-hmm. and desire can also be present. And yeah, it was really amazing to see, uh, the shift in you when I shifted myself, when I was like, okay, now, um, now I'm going to start moving towards you and I'm going to start directing my energy differently. I'm not just holding it in myself. I'm actually going to be directing it towards you and almost putting you under a magnifying glass, not to analyze, uh, but to, because just nothing else matters really Mm. like nothing else mattered in that moment. Mm. And the attention piece is like, wow, I matter. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's something in there that's like people want attention because they want to feel like they matter. They want to, the specialness thing is actually really interesting. People have a lot of guilt and shame around wanting to feel special Mm -hmm. um, and, and what that looks like. So like, you know, when I have a clear understanding of of what that is, because um, even the people that are interested in exploring this, uh, side of kink that could be more considered humiliation and maybe a little more hardcore sometimes under all of those layers is still about the specialness and about the attention and about having someone's presence, Mm. you know, like I'm here and I'm unwavering in that presence with you. Like I'm not going anywhere. Um, and, and hopefully your nervous system starts to feel that, Oh my God, Oh my God. And then maybe hopefully it starts to reach a point of like unwind, unwind, unwind. Yes. Um, like I can actually settle in to that, right? It was, and if with more time, I would feel like that would have gone much deeper as well. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I found myself even getting a little emotional and hearing of like the, what's underneath the attention is you matter. You matter and you're special. And that definitely even still pinged something in me. And I yeah. felt what it did for me was it expanded my capacity to be seen, to be special to be cared for because that, like you said, I bumped up against an edge of, oh my gosh, this woman has all of her attention on me. And yes, it got crunchy for a moment and it started to peak, but then there were waves. It was, you were so intuitive with, you could feel my energy. And so you would do things throughout the entire journey where I imagined you could feel potentially overwhelm or an intensity. And then you would bring me back down. So you would like put your hand on my shoulder or you would affirm me, which is something I asked you to do. Yeah. Tell me like what a good little girl I was being. Um, and all of that helped to titrate the level in which I could hold. So we would go up, 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 and then come back down and up, up, up and back down. And it allowed my nervous system, exactly like you said, to ride the waves of mm-hmm. she's giving me everything and it's a lot. And now, okay, I can come back down for a moment. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. And you know, it's interesting because, um, people get really curious about the sexual energy piece. And I'd love to speak to that because this is um, hopefully a a space of transformation, um, healing and empowerment. So where does the sexuality piece come in? You know, uh, you and I both love each other and, um, you know, find each other to be attractive women, but we're not necessarily like, I'm going to rip off your clothes and jump (laughs) on top of you. Uh That's not what's happening here. But the Eros 
that's being cultivated in the space of trust and the space of um, allowing and um, your aliveness that's coming up from partly from your wounding, but also from your higher self as well. It's like, you know, I'm here to sort of uh, hold space and, and hold a container for that. So it doesn't have to be this like big sexual tension, like yearning for me to penetrate physically or, you know, like it to be actually genital focused orgasm. Like that doesn't actually ever have to happen in these spaces. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if I'm doing journeys with people, if we ever, if we ever get to something that's that sexual, um, as an exchange, it's ages and ages down the road, because it's just so important for people to feel this piece. I think a lot of the time we cut to the, you know, sex or cut to it being physical in that way. And it's like, mm -hmm. let's keep playing in the energy. Let's keep playing in the sensuality. Let's keep playing in the thoughts and feelings and emotions that are arising as we're going through this. And let's stay there for a moment and not mm -hmm. actually, you know, um, bypass this to yes. uh, an orgasm, like a genital focused orgasm mm -hmm. or to genital penetration, et cetera, things like that. So like during our intake, you know, it's very clear that, you know, these while uh, someone looking at this kink checklist, they could imagine doing this with their partner and our, our, for our, the sake of our work together, we're just going to be focusing on sensuality, on eroticism um, and that piece and the energetics. We're not mm -hmm. going to actually be moving into anything that's going to be highly sexual. Mm -hmm. you know? I love that you named that. It's funny um, because I could talk about the healing components all day, but yet there were erotic parts to my journey and specifically one of the ones that I am so will forever continuously be so curious about and enjoy bringing into my sex and sexuality is, is impact, impact play. And that was one of the things I was a full yes to. And I'd love to talk a little bit about the ways you brought impact play in specifically one to bring in erotic energy, but two, to help me get into my body. I'd love to, to have you share a little bit more about that. Well, it's interesting where the definition of impact play is repeatedly striking another for sexual gratification, which is actually a really limiting definition in my opinion. Um, and a lot of people equate spankings to punishment because most of the time, if you were spanked as a little kid, there wasn't an erotic charge to it. It was because you were in trouble or you did something bad. Um, so people have a lot of uh, connotations around spanking and what it can be. And what I like to use spanking for while it can be used as a, a form of showing dominance over someone else, I like to really use it to uh, manipulate energy and to move energy in the body. So often we have so much energy up in our heads around like what I have to do tomorrow and what's going on here. And am, am I doing it right? Do I look okay? Oh my gosh. Does she think I'm, you know, like all of our, our heads, the brain is a phenomenal thing, right? Like it's, it's really complex and it, it goes in all of these directions and, it, and it's really fast and quick and it does all this stuff. And the body is actually really simple, right? And the body is like unable to lie. Like it cannot, it doesn't know how. So when I'm helping people get from their head into their bodies, I like to use impact play. Mm. I like to use, um, you know, can like a physical contact with people, but also creating a little level of intensity there. You know, some people are seeking something like that might be really painful. That's really going to take them out of their heads and get them into their bodies. But with you, it wasn't too focused on it being 
really, really painful, but I know that it was really, um, you know, there was moments of intensity that like kind of shook your, your whole body awake almost. Yeah. Is that fair? Absolutely. And for me, it felt like one of the best, um, to this day, one of the most impactful, powerful ways to drop me into my body. And I remember I did a live shortly after just to help like articulate my experience. I went live on Instagram to share like what it meant to me. And the part where during my live where I started to really cry was I, and I feel it coming again, this deep, 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 deep desire for every person on this planet to understand what sex is like when you are in your body. Because I came from a very long uh, history of dissociative sex, sex where I'm checked out. It is for my partner's pleasure and the difference. And we, like you said, we didn't even have penetrative sex. We had energetic, it would felt like afterwards, but there was this period where in my life, I didn't even know what that felt like or what that was, what was possible when I was in my body. And now to know what it is like to be that present, it changes everything. I mean, it is an entirely new form of sex and sexual energy to be in my body. And it is again, like I have such a deep desire for everyone to know what that feels like, because mm-hmm. once you go there, it's really hard to do anything other than that. Cause you mm-hmm. can just feel the entirety of the experience, the entirety of the pleasure. And you're, you're in a state of love and connection with this other person. That's just not possible when you're not in your body. So it's really powerful. Sure. I love that. Sure. And I feel like, you know, um, cause you're giving me so much great information. This would be very similar to some of the debriefing that we would do because mm. I, in order to create a fully sustainable erotic experience, everyone involved has to feel safe and positive about it from beginning to end. Right. Which is why the, the journey is not, uh, the end of the journey is not the end of the experience. Um, because if anything, it's just open Pandora's freaking box and all sorts of stuff starts coming through and coming out and all of this stuff. So the debrief is actually structured and it's different than aftercare. And I'll talk about that in a second, but the debriefing is structured to come from a more neutral place to really reflect and see like, how did this serve? What are my ahas? What did I want more of? What did I want less of? Like, what, where could I see myself traveling to um, in the future with either Kimmy or a different partner, you know, like what, what, what has brought up, has it brought up more desire, more wants, more needs. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say, you know, with aftercare, that's something that we did at the very end of your session where, um, when we started to, um, when we finally hit a sort of crescendo and started to bring everything sort of back down, um, the aftercare is there to sort of create the soft landing. So if you're having this highly erotically intense experience and you're floating and you're like, Oh my God, like everything is like on fire and I feel so alive. And, you know, after that sort of peak, it's like, okay. And like being able to come back down into yourself, you know, we had a, like a peak arousal experience. So it's going to start to, you didn't orgasm per se, but you had a peak arousal experience. So the only uh, direction from there is to go back down and Mm -hmm. holding you and being with you in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were able to emote a lot of emotions from that place that I think even surprised you. It definitely, because yeah, after the impact play, we went to the bed and there was a lot of energetics mm-hmm. happening. So 
for listeners who don't maybe fully understand at one point you weren't even touching me. I think you were straddling me and you had just hovering your hand. Um, but because I'm an energetic, we're all energetic beings, but because I am really sensitive to it and I enjoy playing with energy, I remember feeling at one point, and you told me after the fact that you felt, um, uh, like an intuitive sense to hover your hand over my heart. And I remember just feeling this surge of love and surge of energy. And again, surge of attention and knowing that everyone, when every person in that room, all eyes on me and the intensity that I felt in my body, it was so intense and so powerful and definitely this peak experience. I remember starting to shake and then on the the downside, um, just sobbing, like releasing, releasing, releasing. And it, it came in waves. It, you know, I had one wave that was really clear when you were like sort of holding me and the experience was over. And then another wave that hit me and mm-hmm. what it was pinging was you named this at the front of our show together was longing. Like you just touched a part of my soul. <laughs> that was so, so, so powerful to be on the receiving end. And how rare that it had been in my sexual history to ever have someone touch that part of me, which is so wild, Kimmy, because it was without touch, right? <laughs> right. Um, right. And to be able to fully touch that there's this moment of sadness after of like, when will I have that again? Mm-hmm. And I know that I will. And I know that by being in this energy, I am attracting more of that in my life. But it was such a gift that you gave me because it, it was an expander. You expanded in that moment, in all moments of what is possible in my sexuality and in my healing. And that's why for me, doing this on camera while yes, I had all of these fears come up. It is so much more important for me that people will know that this is what is possible than any fears that I had coming up around being on camera. Um, so thank you. Seriously. And that means so, so much. Like, um, I'm feeling really tender towards Mm -hmm. you right now. And I, I am so glad that we could create um, a situation where you could be reminded of what's possible. And sometimes we actually need to be reminded and it can bring up a lot of pain and the longing and all of those things. But sometimes we need to be reminded of magic and of what is possible in love and sex and, um, intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've really touched on that in such a short amount of time. Like you were really willing to step into the fire. Like that's mm-hmm. so courageous, so fucking courageous. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're so willing to step in the fire and really go to those places, places that people are actually afraid to go to because it's so painful. Um, I think it just cracks your heart open a little bit bigger to let in more of all the good stuff that you want. I love that visual. It's like mm-hmm. heartbreak is your heart breaking open. Um, mm-hmm. really, if you allow it to, and yeah, it was just so special. And, um, I'd love then to, to transition into, you know, we talked a little bit about, you said you like to cover a little bit of aftercare, but then also let's go into, if there's anything left in our debrief that you would want to cover. I know we've kind of touched on a lot, but I of course want to create space for that piece too. Yeah. 
I'm really curious, you know, um, for, for the time in between now and when we completed the experience, like how had you been feeling over the couple of weeks? Like, I know that you expressed a little tenderness and, yeah. and emotions. Yeah. So how was that? So the, the day of the journey, I immediately, I took your suggestions. I cleared my schedule and, you know, even, and you prepped me for this and I've had experience of this. So I knew that it, it could happen. And it did of subspace that like, I altered uh, states of consciousness, feeling so soupy after like mm. could not formulate full sentences. In fact, it wasn't dangerous, but I remember I missed my turn like six times trying to drive home that day because oh, I was wow. just, mm -hmm. I wasn't out of it as in like uh, dangerous, but just, I wasn't super focused like the way that I normally am. And I took myself to the park and I just sat in nature and I really let my body just, it was so open. Like I felt literally cracked open and I just wanted to be in quiet like stillness. And I also ended up going to be with a girlfriend that night because I knew that potentially a drop was coming. Like you said, you reach this really high peak state of bliss and attention and love. And then afterwards it's like, oof, I remember feeling like I want to be around people. Um, but what was funny was I went over to girlfriend's house and everyone wanted to know about the experience and sure. it, it was too much. I was like, well, mm -hmm. it was just such an interesting experience to realize, uh, titrating afterwards yeah. for me. You're like ladies, I've had my attention for, <laughs> for <this day> <laughs> I am attentioned <laughs> out. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then for, you know, the days and, uh, to come, I definitely was riding this high of feeling so powerful and so open. And so, you know, sex is such a powerful energy and to mm -hmm. be a sexual woman and to claim that I, I felt high. Like I really did. I felt powerful. I felt, um, proud. It was another word that I would yes. describe. Yeah. Um, and overall just like more in love with myself, more in love with a woman that was able to have an experience like that. And, it was in the the weeks after that um, there was some heartbreak that occurred. I went through a breakup. Mm -hmm. And so I got to touch more of that sadness and longing again. Mm -hmm. um, but I think every experience, specifically the conscious king journey, again, it, it helped me to widen my container to be with all of it. Mm -hmm. So even going through heartbreak, it was, uh, I know how to be with all of this. I really do. I know how to care for myself. And I know that this takes me one step closer to a person that won't be you, but will be able to hold me in an experience like we had together. Good. Like if I were to give you and your audience a visual, like if you imagine like buying a package of unused um, balloons and you take one and you blow it as big as you can up into the point where it could almost burst, but it doesn't. And you, and you fill it up to that extent. And then when it's time to release and let the air out, it does go back into a smaller, um, a smaller dimension, but it's never going to go back to how it ever was before. And so the part of the debrief is like, what are those differences of mm -hmm. what the, the, that new balloon was to what it is now after the air has been let out and that it's more in a state of neutrality, but it's still changed. Like it's still changed. And I'm curious when I give that visual, like, what do you feel like has been some of those changes for you? Oh, so making this connection now in the moment, I have 
definitely had more erotic energy without a doubt. There was a period in my life. And I don't remember if I shared this with you or not, but, um, especially there was like a bit of an imposter feeling because I teach sexuality for a living. And yet here I was feeling so disconnected from my own pleasure. And I was starting to kind of get to that place where I was going through the motions and, um, I've had clients say this to me and I actually kind of understood it recently. We're like, all of a sudden self-pleasure would become something I resented because I would want partnerships so deeply. And there was a part of me that was angry. Like, mm. I don't want to fucking do this for myself. And after I didn't just made connecting these dots. Now I'm like, I've been having the most beautiful, powerful, delicious, and like craving those, uh, self-pleasure sessions. Mm. And I never even realized that. And it was so interesting to think too. I, I made a commitment to myself that I'm going to, um, for 30 days, stop using vibrators. And I think it's because there's been this deep craving of like, I want to feel my hands on myself. I want to feel my sex come online without anything else. Like there was this desire that I feel like got awoken on the other side of just like connecting to my body and my pleasure again, in a way that I have not felt in probably months, Kimmy. Mm. Wow. Mm. Wow. So good. Exciting. Thank you. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's been any other, I think the other thing that's shifted in me is a comfort in using my voice. Like that has forever been part of my journey. Like when they were making my soul up in heaven, they were like, this one's Dharma will be to learn how to use her voice. Like there's so many days in my, or parts of my days where I feel I'm struggling to speak into what I want and I'm struggling to speak into that's a no for me, or that's a yes for me. And, um, also surrendering. Hmm. And so both of those things have come online even more fully since our journey together. I've been speaking my yeses and nos with just relative ease. And I surrender, like really, I feel so like the way that I felt held by you, I feel that energy in just my life now. Um, because in my breakup, I felt the energetics of him pulling away. And I remember somebody saying to me, what if you just let go of control? Like, what if you just let go, let the whole thing unfold as it's supposed to, and not feel like you have to show up and do anything. And I did. And that was so new for me to be able to watch the thing unfold versus being behind the, um, the curtain, trying to, you know, be the marionette, uh, leader or puppet puppeteer. Right. Um, I just I let go. And I feel like because of that, I was able to move through my breakup with more ease too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Extraordinary. And Thank you. Again, you know, we didn't have the full time together. So I'm just really loving this share. And, you know, if I, if this was a scenario where you are a client and we were going to continue working forward and, you know, something that could be explored moving forward is like really specifically focusing on using your voice during the session, or you're not going to get something, you know, or like yeah. you know, playing with that a little bit. That's just, you know, just pulling something out of my ass at this stage. <laughs> I would, something I would feel into and see what's really uh, current in the moment, but like mm-hmm. looking at maybe more of the voice piece, looking at more of overwhelming the senses, looking at, you know, going deeper in these places. So often when people come for their first session, you know, there is a lot of, 
you know, nervous energy and things. Um, and it takes a little time to really drop into deep, deep trust. And, um, you did drop in really deeply with me. And I know we have an existing relationship before the, uh, journey and, um, the more that people are, uh, going into these spaces with the, someone they trust and they, the safer they feel, the deeper they're going to go. Right. Mm, so, totally. um, yeah. So in a debrief, you know, we, we can always talk about with the client, you know, where, where are you at? And, and whether it's with me or someone else, where do you want to go? Like what, what else is there? You know, mm-hmm. like, what do you want to manifest from this, this tender place, you know, mm. fertile, fertile soil almost. So I love the idea of using my voice more and it, it made my butthole pucker, which is a sign that it was exactly what I need. Good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh huh. So, <laughs> so good. I love that. And I think my last piece of integration will be, I'll be attending a play party again. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to yeah. have you back. Yeah. You know, um, the more me and my business partner, Casey Neal, um, you know, we've been doing more and more of these immersive weekends where we're taking people through an, a learning experience of how they can step into more of their erotic selves and what that could look like. And um, it's been such a positive experience. And we're and moving forward. We want to create more opportunities for people to continue to integrate and also explore and express, you know, like we don't want the journey to end there. Um, and what was the big motivator of doing these types of play parties is that I have noticed, especially in the kink scene, there doesn't tend to feel like there's a lot of heart, like, mm-hmm. and it's, it doesn't feel as prevalent as we try to create in our, in our play parties. So like we're, we're trying to create that safe container, of course, and a fun place, like a playground and stuff for people to play in. But it's also like, we really want to bring in that heart element. So people do feel safe. People do feel held and people do feel like nourished from the experience. You know, they, mm. I want people to walk away how you did feeling full and proud of yourself and all of these things. Um, and also, yeah, to know that they have access to that, you know, um, in the future as well. It wasn't just like this sexy fling. It was actually this meaningful heart opening experience that they can continue Mm. to come back to and, and, and remember. So yeah, like I'm excited that you're going to be joining us again for this, uh, lovely little kinky playtime party that we're Mm. doing. Me too. And I love that you just like specifically named bringing heart energy into this because it's not common in my experience for people, not only to name that, but to really create an environment that that is possible. And that is something you do so, so well. Mm. And I just imagine like over time, this is going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And there's going to be way more humans <laughs> wanting to work with you than you even have the capacity to serve. And so, oh, yeah, Jenny, that means so much. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to take a moment to honor you for mm-hmm. taking this, um, yeah, plunge with me, um, especially uh, with cameras and, you know, it wasn't a typical scenario just so your audience knows <laughs> this isn't normal. We don't normally have, uh, you know, all these cameras around the lights were a little bit brighter than normal. There was absolutely no music, <laughs> which for me is like bananas. Uh-huh. Um, and still, uh, this amazing woman here, Bryn, she was able to really, um, it's a credit to your, the work you've done, um, on yourself and just who you are as a, as a woman, but you were really able to step into the fire. And I felt like you were the Phoenix by the end of it. And, mm. um, and that was just a little taste 
of your greatness that I feel so honored I got to witness. Mm. So yeah, like thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah. And thank you for the work you bring to the world. And mm you know, at our play parties, um, they're so successful because we take so much time and energy helping people get conscious, um, and in their bodies and in their hearts. Um, and people feel the difference of walking into a party like that because it's such a different energy and the work you're doing, the work I'm doing is like trying to bring that out even further into the world. Like if we're able to bring people in touch with their erotic selves while they can stay in their heart, while they can stay grounded in the truth of who they are. Like imagine more magic being spread around this world. We desperately need it, you know? Yes, 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 yes. Kimmy, um, this has been such, such an honor. I do want to check in and see, is there any last thing that you'd like to leave our listeners with? um, You know, I, I just like to remind people that you're not alone, um, that we're all, you know, having this crazy thing called the human experience. And I want to urge you to remember that there are options and resources to remember that you don't have to do it all by yourself. And when it comes to exploring your erotic self and your sex life and all of these sort of things, there's no nobler work. It's a hero's journey. Like it's a hero's journey returning to home. Um, and again, you don't have to take that journey by yourself. There's all these people out here with genuine love and intention to, to being in service to you in that journey. So please reach out to Bryn or me or other people to support you in that because, um, yeah, we are basically who we are because of the relational experiences that we have. So if you're able to reach out and create more positive relational experiences erotically or not, it's only going to benefit you in the long run and how you show up in the world and the impact you're going to make on the world. Mm, So good. Kimmy, I love you. I love you. Such a gift to this world, (laughs) such a gift to my life, such a gift to our audience. Uh, You said this at the beginning of the episode that your clients can only go as deep as you've been willing to go. And so I absolutely contribute the way that I was able to heal and open and trust was a direct impact of the work that you've done and the way that you set up your containers. So thank you for being such a gift to me and I adore you. And until next time. Yes. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.